This podcast is produced by BoulderCast Weather. We're a local team of meteorologists that provide weather analysis and prediction, as well as cutting-edge forecast services and graphics specific to Colorado's front range. Find more on our website, bouldercast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at BoulderCast. Opinions expressed in this podcast are reflective of the hosts only and do not represent the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the National Weather Service, L3 Harris Geospatial Solutions, or the United States Air Force. BoulderCast, a bolder take on weather. Welcome to a special episode of the BorderCast podcast. This is Andy. We have Ben here joining us and potentially Steiner later. Hey, Ben. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Too bad. Looking forward to talking about snow for a little while here. Yeah. Uh, was it over 800 miles away from Colorado? And I'm still excited. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You'll never lose that love for snow. <laughs> Should we go right into it, or do you want to banter? <laughs> I think we should get into it. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, it looks like, and not that much time, so we should uh, get right into it. So, you want me to, so, yeah, go for it. You want me to talk about the, I guess, the large-scale pattern and eventually go into some specifics there? Sure. All right. So, we have quite a deep upper level draw coming in from the northwest um, and it's going to be basically tracking through from northwest uh, from the northwest and kind of dive south southeast over the next <laughs> let me turn that off so turn my camera off you have an upper level system that'll be coming down from canada going into montana and eventually diving southward through Colorado and into New Mexico over the next 24, 36 hours. And we're going to see a brief warm-up for our day on Saturday. And then the bottom kind of falls out in terms of the temperatures with a very strong cold front coming through Saturday night. And we'll probably see temperatures dropping into the, the teens, maybe even single digits by Monday morning. So very cold air mass behind, lots of cold air, um, lots of moisture with this system, and eventually some potential uh, lift from the jet that will be in play. So a lot of factors coming in, um, and we'll get into that here shortly. Anything you want to add to the large-scale discussion? I just do want to note that this system um, is going to really tap into the cold air which you'll probably get into but just just looking at the models and seeing how much snow is going to spread pretty much all the way from montana down to mexico and out across the great plains from this system you know it's got a lot of cold air to work with and yeah just taking a you know a very peculiar track very far south for what we would normally expect in a one nina october yeah that's really true I don't know if the listeners remember or you remember, but last October we had a very similar, very snowy end and very cold end to October. 
but maybe you don't remember. We got about um, 10, 20, about two feet of snow in the last week of October last year. It was spread out over six different, a handful of storms, I guess. And I there was lots of record cold temperatures. I do remember that. So two years in a row, we got a very chilly October. This is the pre-Halloween storm, I'll call it. <laughs> the pre-Halloween storm. <laughs> Yeah, talking about temperatures, well, we can get into that later, but we can talk about some of the factors that are at play for this storm, some of the favorable ingredients that we think are going to be at play, um, some things that may be detrimental factors. But speaking of the temperatures, you were mentioning that earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, temperatures like 5,000 feet above the surface kind of drop to like minus four degrees Fahrenheit. So something we would see like in the middle of winter. So yeah, definitely got a lot of cold air to work with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit surprising for this time of year to be talking s such cold temperatures a lot and to have those thinking about snow ratio, you know, 15, 20 to one. So it's definitely something that can help with accumulation. We'll get into that as well, but where should we start? Trying to think. So we can talk about, so this podcast will come out probably Saturday. Mm -hmm. this Saturday morning. <laughs> Saturday morning. So yeah, this Saturday is going to be gorgeous with highs close to the low to mid 60s. So we got some nice downslope flow coming in from the west in advance of the trough coming in. So we typically see that with these snowstorms. At least I remember that you would just tend to get a really warm day, and then the bottom falls out. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, the warm before the storm. Yeah, but even you know, low sixties is what we're looking at for Saturday before the storm arrives. It's not really that warm for October. I mean, we're still recovering from the very cold um, Canadian air mass that moved in and brought the freezing drizzle um, towards the tail end of this week. So you know, it's, it's not surprising we're not rebounding that warm before the storm. But you're right. Always get that nice warm up before the snow here in the front range. So what do you think? Do you want to go over like the moisture, the lift, favorable ingredients? How you wanna how you wanna work this? I think we should start with lift. Okay. Potentially, since the storm's a little bit different than what we usually get um, in terms of you know big snowstorms here in the front range. So it has, a, has the potential to put down a lot of snow, which we'll get into. But the, the interesting aspect is that this, the track of the storm is just fairly far away from our area. It almost tracks pretty much into the four corners and maybe even further west than that. Have you been, have you been noticing that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a continuous trough until it gets approaches and then that cutoff system um, splits away and dives down almost into Mexico, um, kind of through into Arizona, New Mexico. So the the result of that is we don't get that strong of winds, and we also don't have the the, the developing like surface low and 700 millibar low in Colorado to set up that upslope flow for our area. Yeah, that's a good point. But this storm, we're really not, we're not really talking too much about upslope. Well, you know, there's not 
there's not going to be there may be a little bit of upslope that will be shallow and weak um, but mostly this storm is going to be the lifting mechanism for this storm is going to come from other um, other features do you want to talk about the main one <laughs> yeah i think the main one's going to be yeah for the blue jet stream coming in from the southwest i think there's two two jet streams to kind of focus on for this storm one for number one is the polar jet stream which has the cold air coming with it and the other one is the subtropical jet which is kind of coming in from the southwest connection with what you just mentioned the eventual cutoff system from california that's gonna kind of move east um, once that polar jet moves south so i think the subtropical jet is going to help to bring in some of that deeper moisture that we need for the snowfall and then the polar jet is going to bring in that upper level lift that's going to help to create the clouds and eventual snowfall across the front range yeah it's not very typical that we would see this subtropical jet and polar jet kind of merge so nicely in a favorable spot for us uh, I, I like that diagram you had um in the our premium daily uh, forecast discussion this morning that showed the two different overlapping jets jet quadrants like it's almost works out perfectly that we all, we end up like directly between the the right entrance region of the polar jet and then the um left exit or yeah left, the left exit of the um subtropical jet so those are the two quadrants you want to be in and we just happen to end up in both it's hard to say if they're exactly overlapping, but there is mm -hmm. some there is some potential there for sure. Yeah, I think the models are gonna struggle a little bit with how these two jets come together. Um, I don't know if you looked out further past our snowstorm, but the models are show that the two jets pretty much merging into this mega jet. <laughs> it takes over the whole eastern half of the country. Yeah. So I don't know if that's really gonna happen exactly like that, but with jet forcing like we have for this storm, it's you know. A hundred mile difference can be very significant, and just lining up those quadrants with our forecast area is going to be challenging as well. So I think that's part of the reason the models are still struggling. I think that's a really good point. The other thing on the jet is that when I we when I was looking at it, it looks like you have a good twelve to maybe eighteen hours with this jet kind of overhead, and mm -hmm. that's going to be. Uh, very favorable for some areas localized that could see higher snow amounts than what we will actually predict. So that's going to be yeah. tough as well. This could be a very narrow band or we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's part of the reason that I'm hesitant to really throw out any forecast amounts, you know, multiple days in advance, just because you know, the localized nature of what we're going to see unfold here on, you know, sun Saturday night, Sunday, and even into Sunday night a little bit. But yeah. the, 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 everything does seem to be lining up properly for us. You know, the models have been fairly consistent. This is something I was looking at, you know, back on Monday when we were talking about the weather for the whole week. You know, what's going to happen when these two jets come together this weekend? Mm -hmm. You know, it looks like snow. It looks like Colorado could end up in a great spot. But here we are, and it actually... You know, the models really haven't changed much since, you know, over the last five days, which is a little surprising, but it's good. They've been getting better every day, it seems like. Yeah, that's for sure. I do think 
is that the way that polar jet streak is lining up um, is that I think the favorite area for lift might actually be oh, just a little bit further west. Yeah. I don't know if you were thinking that. I mean, then it looks like the mountains are going to get like the just like the north central part of Colorado looks to be favored more so than the Denver and Boulder area. Could be. Could be. Yeah, that's tough to determine. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it'd be nice to see what the high resolution models are showing us. Um, they tend to do pretty well with those jet force bands. You know, we have the the NAM Nest, which is uh, what three kilometers resolution that goes out 60 hours. Um, so if it was currently working, we would have a good look at the storm right now. Um, and then the, the H <clears throat> the high resolution, um, rapid refresh model, that one's 30, what, 36 hours Yeah. on some of the runs. So we still don't have a great picture of that. Um, have you checked that one? Should actually do that because it yeah. might just, it just catch the beginning of the storm right now. Yeah. It's kind of at the tail end where it has snow developing along the Colorado Wyoming border, which is midnight, mm-hmm. midnight, midnight Saturday night, so overnight into Sunday morning. Okay, well that's that's about what we expect. I mean, the snow band should be slowly that jet's going to be sagging south um, through that overnight period, so it's going to eventually get to us. I think the models keep going a little bit later and later with it. Yeah. So yeah, this, the the very last frame of the her is at midnight Sunday night, and it's pretty much just starting to snow along the Colorado border, or sorry, Wyoming border. Yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable, given the passage of the front slightly before midnight, mm-hmm. and then the jet stream will be overhead basically by midnight. So you're going to probably see some development of the snow overnight. Mm-hmm. Overnight, Saturday night into Sunday. Yeah, most most areas, especially the northern uh, front front range, will be waking up to snow already falling. I would guess. Um, yeah, there's a, that front though too is very is a very strong front. So we're gonna see temperatures drop from the 60s um, all the way, you know, down into the teens and maybe even single digits uh, on the very back side of the storm after the sky is clear. Mm-hmm. just keeps getting colder it seems i don't know yeah it's amazing like, like now it's now we got temperatures and like you said um in your forecast it was what negative five degrees celsius or sorry fahrenheit at the close to the surface in denver mm-hmm. oh wait sorry that was that that was at um ten thousand feet elevation but at the surface we're gonna be you know single digits close to 10 degrees probably yeah come Sunday night when so I don't know yeah depends if we clear out for Monday morning then it'll probably be much colder with the snow cover on the ground I was just gonna say I think that just the way the storm that cutoff system is tracking down there and then pinching off and it kind of pivots while everything happens like we're gonna be right in that perfect pivot spot where the the upper level jet is just almost stationary for a while like you said 12 to 18 hours so that's another challenge with jet forcing is that it's so localized that you t- anytime you get it, you know, usually you get it for a few hours and it's gone. But this one could be an extended period. So we don't have the upslope, but the jet, I think, is we don't want to we don't want to un- underestimate it, especially with this storm. 
Yeah. If I had to guess, I would would think that the heaviest snow would be during the during the day on Sunday, and then starting mm-hmm. to taper off. Start not really tapering off until Monday, but slowing up Sunday night. Yeah, which maybe not a good thing. Though we are, you know, two months from the solstice. In that, you know, I think I do think I do agree that the heaviest snow will probably be maybe from like six a.m. Sunday to six p.m. Sunday, like pretty much just during the day, yeah. during the daylight hours, and then starting to wane off through the evening. But you know, we'll need to see what those jets look like. Anything else you want to talk about the jets before we go on to some of the other factors? No, I think we covered <laughs> the jet. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hundred percent the main the the key thing to watch from this storm. Yeah, there is there is some upslope, but as we pointed out, it's relatively weak. Um, yes, there there are some time periods. The air mass aloft is coming out from the northeast, but it doesn't tend to be very persistent. Mm. So that just I, could be the main factor. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, Sunday during the day, we have upslope, but yeah, it's it's barely a little bit north of east of north, and um, it's only five or ten knots, even at 700 millibars. So even at, like, mountain level, it's only 10 miles per hour or so. You're probably even less than that. And at the surface, it's even less than that. So... I mean, it's not going to hurt this storm that the up, that the upslope is weak. You know, it's not downslope, I guess. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like we started to see downslope kick in until sometime Sunday night. And then that's when we'll probably start seeing, like you said, the snow really start to taper off uh, once the jet starts exiting and then up, the upslope switches to like a very weak downslope. So what else we got? Well, with the very cold temperatures, as you said, that's going to probably lead to some good snow snow to liquid ratios. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not something we typically talk about. This early in the season, like normally we're lucky to get snow at all, I would say. Um, but but now we're now we're thinking about like how high can these ratios go? So with the colder air, we get. Did you did you look at the dendritic growth at all to see how how many of those big fluffy snowflakes we're going to get developing? Our algorithm was showing uh, it was predicting sixteen to eighteen inches per one inch of liquid. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the actual vertical profile of temperature for the event on Sunday, mm-hmm. kind of like midday Sunday, your your ice crystal growth uh, elevation, I guess, would be right, <laughs> basically five thousand feet above the surface. So it's very mm-hmm. low, very low. There is quite a bit of uh, inversion, which which uh, we define as like the temperature increases with height as you go from five thousand feet up to about like 600 it looks like midday sunday which typically we don't see usually temperature decreases with height but in this mm-hmm. case for this storm it's showing an increase so it looks like that there's maybe two different layers for the ice crystal growth okay not sure what that will mean but definitely uh any kind of extra lift like you said from the low level upslope near the surface should help to further create ice crystal growth. Yeah. And then any yeah. additional any additional snowflakes falling higher up from the jet will probably enhance that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be... Man, that would just be incredible if we had a lot of 
dendrites growing when that jet is overhead. I don't know. And there could be some uh, could be some instability there. So you have that sharp drop in temperatures from the surface to five thousand five thousand feet off the ground, and there could be some added instability that would enhance the already jet forced uh, snow band that is already there. So you could get some that could also further enhance the um, size of the snowflakes because like the vertical vertical motion will tend to like lead to more collisions with the snow crystals in the cloud and those would probably create some faster uh, or higher snow uh, snowfall rates on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that's a very short-term kind of prediction. We, we cannot say that 24, 36 hours out. Yeah. I don't know. I think all the factors coming together, this is going to be a, I think there's going to be a pretty significant, like, blob of moderate to heavy snow, like, just taking over the whole area much of the day Sunday. It looks that way. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely going to be embedded banding for sure, but I don't know. Everything look, Everything's pointing to a pretty significant storm. Yeah. Also, speaking of the vertical temperature profile, looking at midday Sunday, mm-hmm. above the actual inversion layer, there is also some uh, what we call instability aloft. So there's some potential there for not only unstable air at the ground, but also unstable air uh, higher up. So the higher up is also going to lead to that good uh, ice crystal uh, growth and also potentially some uh, high snowfall rates at times. So a lot of good factors, like you said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk about any of the negatives? I don't know if it's a negative, but I was looking at the, we were talking about the jet stream being the main factor too. And obviously that is, but I don't mm-hmm. know if, so like as you go into midday Sunday, the trough is digging from, is digging southward. And then you have the polar jet oriented southwest to northeast from Colorado into Nebraska and Iowa and the southern branch of the jet, the subtropical jet, basically New Mexico into Kansas. And by that time, the polar jet is basically has a favorable position for lift over the front range. Mm. But the southern part of the jet looks like it could potentially negate some of the lift from the jet. I have no idea, but basically the southern part of the jet is showing that you would have some sinking air, but that is well south of, well south of the front range. So I don't think that will be a major detriment. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. The two quadrants sort of canceling each other out in some places. Um, In that sense, you know, it'd be, it would be more, snow would be more favorable in the, I guess, northern part of our area. As opposed to the southern part. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But, yeah, we just don't know exactly how these jets are going to shake out. You know, at this point, we're looking, um, well, it's only about 36 hours. 36 <laughs> hours out. But it's just it's just in the cusp of getting access to the high-resolution models that'll, that'll be able to have the resolution to handle these jet features much more adequately. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. it's kind of unfortunate timing for the recording of the podcast. But... Uh, we're just giving our best guess at this point. And it does seem like the 
the more global scale models like the GFS and the European model do have a at least some idea where these bands might form. And but you know, both of them, all the models right now are showing significant banding across the metro area in general. Um, so you know, you can paint the whole area with a brush of snow and you know, there's some areas definitely gonna get more than others. I think it has a chance to be a a bust for some people that don't get those bands. Yeah. Though it's hard to say where that's really going to be. Is that going to be? I feel like it's more likely to be further east, um, like east of I twenty five somewhere. You know, the mountains I think are going to be favored by the best jet lift. Um, but you know, as far as what happens along you know along I twenty five from Fort Collins to you know the Palmer Divide, it's going to be hard to say at this point. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes you'll get with these jet patterns and as the storm moves south, you'll tend to see when the storm actually evolves, like you'll get the band along Fort Collins and then it sags south into Boulder and then it sags south into Denver and eventually kind of like sticks around like in the southern part of Denver in the Palmer Divide. So I'm, I'm wondering, based on what you said, whether that band may actually somehow have a shorter duration over Boulder as opposed to Denver, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, I've definitely seen that happen before. I don't know if it's terrain related. I mean, I don't think so. So I don't, I've also seen it happen the other way where it happens to just dump over Boulder <laughs> and the band seems like it, it's not, it can't move towards Denver at all. So it just really depends. Yeah. And Pardon? go ahead. I was just going to mention the the possibility that the models keep trending even colder than we're seeing now, then that could start to eat back into our snow ratios, which we talked a little bit um, we talked a little bit about before. But you know, once snow ratios, as you start getting colder, you start thinking that the snow ratios are going to go up, up, and up. But eventually, you get to a, a plateau where they start to come back down, where you can't get. Um, dendrites forming anymore and you go back to the more of the more um compact type of snow crystals yeah so you know once you start getting down you know below um you know close to zero degrees that's when you start seeing that you know the the dendrites go away and you end up with less snow than you think you'll get but i don't know yeah i mean i think we're on, we're bordering on the sweet spot for this storm and i would say maybe just a little bit too cold so if it goes a little bit, if it goes even a little bit colder, we'll start getting further and further from that sweet spot. That's a good point. So what do we? Go ahead. I was just gonna say, what do what are we thinking for amounts with this snowstorm? Well, let's see. The model consensus for Denver has, let's see, for Broomfield, it has basically eight inches. That's like a model, kind of a model average of all the models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, roughly seven inches for Denver. And then up to 10 inches in Boulder. So my initial thought was maybe 6 to 10 along the front range. But, you know, that encompasses a wide area. Mm -hmm. so, so we're going to have to see kind of what those high-resolution res models kind of look look like, as you said earlier. But that are, those are some of my initial thoughts just based on what the pattern looks like and some of the favorable uh forcing mechanisms that we talked about yeah well that's about what i was thinking as well i think if you had to make one forecast for the entire area i think i would say four to ten inches cover everybody 
um, I think it'd be it'd be hard for somewhere to end up with three inches or less in this storm just because of the ratios and the cold air um, and just how slow moving that jet's going to sag through our area. So I think everyone's every every pretty much every location should be able to get three or four inches out of this storm. And then on the upper end, like you said, ten inches probably would cover most areas just fine. But there's always a chance that we could be looking at you know, 12 or 15 inches in some localized areas. Oh, easy. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see that. Yeah, and I, you won't, I definitely, I also wouldn't be surprised that we see what the high resolution models are showing um, during the day tomorrow. And we either increase our forecast significantly if the bands look like they're going to be lining up, you know, more favorably for our area with greater confidence versus um, what we're thinking now. So that's kind of the final piece of the puzzle for me is just seeing where those where those um where the higher resolution models start placing those bands. Yeah. And the more I look at it, the more I look at the vertical temperature profile, that I think there is going to be some instability at play, which mm-hmm. may help to enhance some things, but that's gonna to have to be a short term forecast kind of thing. Like twenty four hours out. Yeah. Because there's a like you said, there's a lot of cold air advection in the low levels but not mm-hmm. as much uh, a lot. So there's okay. sort of like a, there's like deep, deep cold advection, uh, and maybe on the surface, like seven or 8,000 feet. And then it sort of temperature increases and then it eventually decreases at the mid level. So mm-hmm. like 15, 18,000 feet up. So in that separation separated uh, in that area, there's going to be some, some upper level lift. It's going to probably lead to some aggregation, as we call it, which is like ice crystals kind of colliding, and um, there may be a secondary ice crystal formation in the mid-levels as opposed to the low, low levels. And uh, mm-hmm. like that'll probably enhance some of the localized higher amounts, as you mentioned earlier. So yeah, we'll have to see where that chat sets up. I just don't know where it's going to set up. <laughs> I... Do know that this snowstorm, regardless of where the jet setup is going to provide, you know, half inch to an inch of liquid, probably for most of the mountain areas that are currently uh, impacted by the wildfires. So that'll be another good consideration. Yeah, that is good news. For sure. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know if you've been following the East Troublesome Fire at all. Not much. But it basically. Let's see, what day was that? That was uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, was uh, there were some high winds in the high country, and it uh, basically took this fire that was way over in Grand County. Um, I don't know how to explain where it was, but it was way over there. It was only 20,000 acres, and in the, in the course of one day, it expanded to be like 130,000 acres. Wow. So it grew like 100,000 acres in just one night. Um, it blew all the way up pretty much like to the, to the outskirts of Granby and Grand Lake. And somehow, I don't know how it did it, but I guess that's a valley. It ended up getting across the Continental Divide somehow. And now it's going down the valley towards Estes Park. Oh. And they and they clo- they closed Rocky Mountain, the whole entire park I think is closed. Wow. Um, and definitely 
part of the park is on fire for sure. Um, I don't know exactly, but it's a little bit scary. And I think for Estes Park, especially, they're like right in the right in the line of this fire. If it, you know, if the storm wasn't coming, it might be a more significant concern. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good timing on that front. Very good timing. But there's already been a lot of homes and you know hundreds of thousands of acres lost. So I don't know what that's going to look like anymore over there. I know we did some camping before uh, around like Grand Lake, right? Or was that Lake? Yeah, that was Grand Lake. I think so. so. But um, anyways, we're looking at probably half an inch to an inch of moisture for most areas. Um, Some of the lower end model solutions are maybe half of that, like the GFS right now. <laughs> um, but most most of the other uh, model guidance is, you know, in the half inch to an inch range. Yeah, and that's reasonable. Yeah, so that'll be welcome moisture. The first real, the first real anything we've had since uh, our last snowstorm in the first week of September. Oh yeah, this is a big one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I guess we'll see how this storm shakes out and. Um, we'll have another um, our snowfall forecast map put out uh, onto our website sometime on Saturday. I can't think of anything else to add other than what we talked about. <laughs> I know, right? That was a lot. <laughs> Cover the, I think we got it well covered. It's a jet storm. Upslope isn't that important for this one. Uh, we're still pinpointing where those heavy jet force snow bands are going to be. And pretty much everyone should get at least three, four, or five, even six inches, and then up to 10 or 12 on the upper end. Yeah. Um, expect to see some sig- significant um, differences in snow amounts over small areas. You know, it's nature of the business with these jet storms. So, and something typical Boulder, which typically sees the most snow out of almost anywhere in the Denver area, isn't necessarily favored with this um, system. But that's all I got. Sounds good. I guess we can um, wrap it up and hopefully be back with a regularly scheduled podcast in a week or two. Or maybe it'll be another snowstorm. I'd be okay either way. <laughs> After this snowstorm, it looks like there's somewhat of a break in the pattern mm-hmm. for at least the upcoming work week after this. So I'll have a little bit of a break and potentially the next chance would be in November. We'll have to see. Yeah, that's true. Right around the corner, end of the month. I did want to make, I guess, like one final comment is that the... Um, the cold air with this system, it's going to be very, very cold. Well, very cold, but it's, um, <laughs> it's going to be pretty much guaranteed records will be broken in Boulder and probably Denver as well. Let's see. What day is that going to be? Sunday, the 25th and the 26th. Um, we're looking at the record low for Sunday is 17 degrees in Boulder. And the record Ooh. low on Monday is 19 degrees. So we're we're certainly going to break almost certainly break both of those records. Yeah. I would say um we're also probably going to break some low highs in there cuz low highs are 32 degrees. That's and, true. Um so yeah, this is this is unprecedented cold. I don't know if we're going to get down into the single digits, but if we do, it would be the the uh earliest single digit temperature in the season. So just something to think about. Oh yeah, it's definitely. There'll be plenty of snow, and I like you said, if, if we end up do clearing our skies, end up do clearing Sunday night with the fresh snow. Yeah, we're, that's definitely going to be some single digits. Oh yeah, easy. But it's not clear if, if it's actually going to clear out Monday morning or not. 
at least in my eyes. <laughs> it could be plenty of cloud cover lingering. But in any case, uh, I guess we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah, catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.